saw a photo of you the other day, Bates. Oh, I'm always worried when I hear that. Of what? <laughs> of you. <laughs> Doing? On a bike. Yes. Pumping out the Ks. Well, I think in the photo I wasn't. Uh, it was at the end of a 50-minute jaunt. My face looked like the beetroot red of your oh, be, T-shirt. You be kind to my friend Kate Bates. <laughs> Last week we were talking about comebacks. Just saying. They're you not, got on the bike pretty quickly after that conversation. <laughs> they're not related. They're not? No, I haven't ridden my bike like meaningfully other than a, a wee commute Yeah. Uh, since May. That's Bit of a okay. And how'd you go? You so, all right? Got in there. Look, I had the um, Chicks Who Ride Bikes community, like a community ride on Zwift, yep. helping me and supporting me. Oh, um, how good. So I think without that, it might have been <laughs> a, a more intense 50 minutes of convincing <laughs> no. myself. Hey, good on you for getting back on the bike. Yeah. I have enough of an ego that to make it through that, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, but no, it was good. Okay. So yeah, just I'm so just, remember a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about racing up Wollonga Hill wearing T-Rex yep. suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just getting the training in. You Okay, so you're committing to that <laughs> costume. Yeah. Great. Yep. Great. I was thinking more you and AVV pairing up for like a, a gravel sort of, you know, a, a, a exhibition. It's a weekend not off ex- the cards. Good. I mean, That's yeah, all I need good to know. Idea. That's fantastic. Uh, it's good <laughs> to see you back on the bike. Uh, it has been a big week on the Wheelhouse podcast. 60, what are we up to now? 64,000 episodes, I believe. And it's been a massive, massive week. I'm a little bit sad, I'm going to say right off the bat. Oh, uh, okay. A lot of teams lost on the weekend. Not not in bike racing, oh, but in other, yes. other sports. And I'm a little bit sad about that. I'm very grateful yes. to you for not rubbing it in just yet, though. Oh, I, mate, it's been a very tough week very in tough the week. Uh, bates Merksy household. Merksy um, especially, but he's had a, he's got a few reasons. Had, to I mean, be. I'm a Parramatta fan, so for me, you know, yeah. not as much skin off my nose. But for Merksy, he lost Peter Sagan mm-hmm. to retirement, and then two Brisbane teams mm. scuppered in their grand final. Sagan Peter. It's been a bit, Monday Huge. morning was messy. I mean, lucky it was a public holiday, <laughs> so he didn't have to you know spring out of bed with a spring in his step. I really didn't he busied say that himself well. building his whip set up. <laughs> he did like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I just it's uh, I just wanted to quickly before we get into it say a very big hello to the couchies out yes. there as well. Now we are all about balance and fact mostly, mostly. on the Wheelhouse <laughs> podcast, and we made a, an errant claim last week of the as to the origins of the couch peloton. And we've been corrected, and I'm very happy about that. So by the people, for the people, and may it live on forevermore. It's lovely to be, uh, lovely to be acknowledged by the wonderful CP. Yeah, hashtag Couch Peloton. Go the couchies. Go the couchies. That was awesome. I do a lot of uh, cycling viewing on the couch these days, wow. so you know I can see that organic growth and transition happening. I reckon they'd be happy to have you in the peloton just quietly. (laughs) Uh, We say it every week on the Wheelhouse podcast, but it has been a massive, massive week in the world of bikes. Uh, You get those those emails, those Google Alerts pro cycling emails, you know, because we're diligent journalists. Makes the rundown easier. (laughs) Email's been going absolutely apeshit. Mm. Ding, 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 ding. All right, I get it. It's another Google Alert pro cycling. There's so much news happening. So we're going to unpack the final races of the season, a bit of some more curiosities around gravel, mm. an hour record. I love it when there's an hour record in the offing. That's always exciting. <laughs> but but the biggest issue, and we spoke about it last week, we've called in some help this week to help us unpack this super merger, the story that keeps on developing in the world of cycling, Kate. Yes. I mean, I pride myself as the wheelhouse cycling expert. Yes. This is a big topic. Call it a merger. Call it a takeover. Yeah. Call it whatever you like. I've brought in... 
uh, a little bit of help. Big guns. Big guns. I've brought out the big guns. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I definitely don't bet, bench press enough to be the big guns on my own. Yeah. Um, we have got Olympian, Commonwealth Games champion, uh, incredible athlete, Chloe Hosking, uh, joining us. Um, Chloe, incredible to have you here. Uh, Joel, she's not just a champion cyclist, uh, but she's an incredible advocate for athletes. She's on her way to... Um, a law degree and a budding career in sports law, which is incredible and very relevant to this topic. Uh, and you know what? In her days, hasn't shied away from an opinion. Welcome, Chloe. Thanks for joining us in the wheelhouse. Hi, I'm, uh, I think I, you say, long time listener, first time uh, attendee or guest. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. Look, I'll lead right away with an opinion and I wouldn't call it a merger or a takeover if, what is proposed happens, I would call it a bloodbath. <laughs> so if, if you haven't seen the news, if you've been off on another planet, which which is fine as well, uh, the, the Jumbo, Jumbo Visma, Sadal Quick Step, the the bloodbath, it's basically broken the mm. internet. Um, whispers have become shouts, have continued to snowball. I'm very happy to have Chloe. Just quickly, busy lady, Chloe. Um, do, you, do you sleep? You're making the rest of us look bad with all of your many pursuits. Pretty glad we had a long weekend just recently. (laughs) (laughs) That I did uh, take some time to catch up on my sleep. Yes. Well, look, I mean, I'm most concerned, Joel, about what colours Van Art is going to be in. I mean, I know this is a serious topic, but let's get down to the really important things. Um, Now, the one thing I didn't mention in Chloe's intro, well, not the one, but one of the things, also got a bike brand, Hosking. Look, I'm just putting two and two together. Is this an opportunity Chloe, for like a new team, new bike sponsor maybe. I'm just throwing it out there. I love it. I'd love to see them on Hosking bikes. The Hoskos. Yes. Yeah. Look, we're not opposed to it, but uh, we, we champion women. And so far it seems to be affecting the men's teams. Yeah. Oh, well, we need to, We do need to talk okay. about um, whether women fit into all of this. Yep. Um, so bloodbath. Mm. I think we can safely say then, Chloe, that you think this is – a bad thing. And absolutely, you. It's two major world tour teams. Um, the maximum number of riders that world tour teams can have is twenty-seven, and I'm fairly sure that both these teams like meet that number. So immediately, you've got twenty-seven riders out of jobs. Not to mention the staff, and with teams that are this size, there's staff in excess of 70. So the amount of people that can be impacted by this is enormous, and that it's happening in October is terrible for the sport and for the economy of the sport, and particularly, yeah, for the athletes and the the um, staff. Chloe, it's... Uh... It's obviously close to the bone for so many, so many involved, and we've seen some rider reactions already as well. We had Van Wilder, obviously. Uh, it's It's been a difficult week for all of us. I dedicate this week to my teammates. This win, he won at Trey Valley Varasini, said that. I dedicate it to my teammates. It's been difficult. This victory is for them and the staff to show them all that we don't agree with this shit. Now, that's... I. Pfft. You know, that's not the athlete line of, oh, you know, what, hap- what happens will happen and we'll just concentrate on the next pedal strike and worry about next week. It's not. It's right out there. Uh, and it's, it's strong words. You've been on the wrong end of this stick when it comes to contract renewal. You understand the nuance and the implication of negotiation, the, the, the impact it can have. And it, I guess 
the long, the short version of this is, what about the athletes? What are we thinking? Where to for for them now? Yeah, I think that um, his comments his, in his post-race interview just shows how little consultation there has been. You know, contracts these days are signed by riders in March, April, May, June. They're not signed in October. Um, these riders would have thought that they had uh, their season set up for the next years um, and all of a sudden they're left in the lurch with the very real possibility of not having employment for the coming years and this is a very similar situation to what I found myself in last year with the collapse of um, B&B and the athletes were the last ones to know what was going on um, so it's been it's really disappointing to see that there's still so little communication um, and athletes are continuing to find themselves in this situation and nothing is being done to fix it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it, to think mm. that the athletes are the last to know. Unbelievable. It's, Chloe, there was, for ages, there's been this rumour about Remco going to Ineos and, you know, a lot coming back from um, the Sudal mob saying, oh, you know, he's got a long-term contract and that'll never happen. Reflecting back on that, it's a bit different with this new information. Do you think perhaps some of the athletes have known and have had the ability, maybe the top athletes, um, to go and look and maybe it's kind of the bottom half of the roster that have been left or do you think it's all of them? I think, I mean, that's often the case, that the, the top athletes are not the ones that are affected when these situations occur. It's the the riders that are on minimum salary or just above minimum salary that are the most heavily impacted. But I don't think that that should make people care less. Um, and, you know, I was speaking with somebody about it recently. You know, Remco is going to go to the Tour de France and win however many stages, but he relies on those athletes that are going to be impacted by this yeah. situation to help him win those stages. So it's really the the riders need to come together to understand that as a group, they're much more powerful than acting alone. On the Wheelhouse mm. podcast, strong words from Chloe Hosking, Australian cycling hero, uh, very fast on the track, Olympian, Commonwealth Games athlete, even faster between the years, helping us understand the super merger or, as Chloe so deftly put it, the super bloodbath. I like it. I think we can, we're going to run with that. We're stolen that, Chloe. <laughs> Just sorry. We didn't ask you, but that's okay. Let's look at the UCI. So uh, the governing body, we, we talk about them a bit. You'd be surprised, Chloe. Kate's memorised the UCI handbook. Yeah, I mean, uh, can I just add, it's usually not favourable. No, it's not. <laughs> but it's they're getting is. a mention. <laughs> but, you know, it would be remiss not to ask. Their statement has basically come out saying, you know, all standing contracts with riders and staffers must be met. Uh, any World Tour vacancy created by a bloodbath, your words, uh, would see second-tier pro team squad receiving invitations, extra invitations to the top races on the World Tour calendar, etc., etc. Chloe, the question is basically, are they doing enough? Are they showing strong leadership at a time when the sport really, really needs to see it? The short answer is I think no. Um, and... You know, my contract 
wasn't hasn't been honoured that I signed for last year with um, uh, B&B Hotels and there is a number of athletes that haven't had their contract honoured and the UCI has done nothing. We're currently going through compensation through the French social welfare system to try and get some money from the team that didn't honour our contracts. There's very few rules and regulations that the UCI um, implement that protect athletes. Um, so ultimately we know that that it's not the teams that are going to come out of this the wrong side as the athletes and the UCI doesn't do enough to protect them yeah it's it's interesting Chloe around that I mean you had an interesting perspective both as an athlete having gone through uh, the mess of it also with your legal brain Um, but another aspect for me we've been out there we know that there's quite different cultural uh, kind of backgrounds between a team that calls themselves the Wolfpack mm. uh, versus um, what we now know as Yumbo Visma, but have been Rabobank. Like culturally, I don't even see how on earth this is going to come together. It, can you imagine when you were racing, if you know one of the Italian teams merged with one of the Dutch teams or with High Road or something? There's not a problem with either teams, but yep. together, yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. It is very strange. And I guess you look at um, the owner of Sudal Quickstep and he is often in the media for not the right reasons. So I'm sort of hopeful in the back of my head that maybe this is just another publicity stunt from him um, because at the end of the day, nothing has been like is uh, confirmed yet. So uh, I am hopeful that nothing, it doesn't, escalate to the point where two teams do come together um but who knows Mm. chloe i uh you referred to an elephant who's frequently in the wheelhouse bunker (laughs) uh patrick lefevre now kate kate bates isn't i I wouldn't say a super fan of lefevre it sounds like you're not maybe not on the christmas card list either chloe hosking (laughs) just just confirming that um it look we're not devastated, <laughs> to be honest, to see him potentially step back. But but why is he? Why is he? He's showing so much ego, so much need to be noticed, so much need to be the headline or the one creating the headline. So why? I think we'd need a few psychologists <laughs> to delve into this question. I really don't understand. And, um, yeah, the, as I said, so, He's often in the uh, cycling headlines for the wrong reason and has never been a strong champion of uh, female cycling and women's uh, sport in general. So, um, yeah, I'm with Kate. Uh, I'm (laughs) on this this one. I think it's a good... No, no Christmas card list to be on. Oh, just I'm there quietly. too. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, Chloe. Lots of chat about the fellas. What about the ladies? We've got a really high-profile women's Yumbo Visma team. Uh, the women's team on the Sudal side is at a lower tier. It's a little bit different. Mm. Uh, but do we know what's going to happen to the likes of Mariana Voss or Anna Henderson? Um, like these are big names in the sport. It's not a small team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, there hasn't been a lot of focus on the two women's teams that will potentially be affected, um, which How again, very is cycling, right? Um, yeah, it was yeah, but a not a surprise. B&B was collapsing. Um, there seemed to be a lot of focus on the Mark Cavendishes and the Pierre Rollins who were going to be affected. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I also didn't get a contract. So 
Uh, I do think that they're quite separate, luckily, um, the organisations. So hopefully that the women's team will be able to continue and not impact what would be um, 30 to 40 riders of the women's peloton. That would be devastating for them. Um, and also... I. I do th some of the things that have been thrown out in the media about why this merger might be happening is financial reasons, and women's teams are significant cost significantly less to run, so um, that might be a factor um, playing in the women's favour to not be so heavily impacted. Spare, got a spare thought for the fans of this sort mm. of rigmarole. I, we spoke about mergers last week and touched on a couple in different sports and how incredibly alienating they can be for fans. There's no sort of regard for that in these, in these processes whatsoever. Is it seems to you that Sadal, have they just tossed it in here, Chloe? Have they thrown in the towel? Have they given up? And it, it really seems like that. I did see uh, just something say that only six riders from Sadal would be carried across. So that's not really a merger. Um, but... You, you also have to question um, the impact this has on the competition of cycling. You know, they're two massive teams. And if you're taking one of them away, it is. It's, it's going to impact on the entertainment value for the people watching at home if it's just one less team competing. Yeah, I mean, we could look on the um, a bit of silver lining because I'm pretty excited. Rumour has it, um, Chloe, I mean, how many rumours are there, right? But the most current rumour um, is that Roglic is headed to Bora yeah. with Jai Hindley, the Aussie. Yeah, like Come on that. now. Like, yeah. that excites me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we love that. Remco the going to Ineos. Sticky tape man. That excites me. And the hind. And the, the hind. <laughs> yeah. But it does ask the bigger question I mean, does this really reflect on the state of cycling? Because mm. if the two biggest teams can't make it work and contracts essentially mean nothing, I mean, how can the riders possibly sleep well at night knowing that on any given day their contract is worthless? Five, it's so nice. Signed for five years. Yeah, yeah. We talk about how good that is for the sport and futures. But are we essentially saying, Chloe, that that means nothing, that their yeah, contracts I are worthless? Sorry. To cut you off, Kate, um, I think we touched on it. There's a real lack of leadership, both from the governing body, from the athletes taking um, responsibility for their careers and speaking out when things aren't right, and from the unions that are meant to represent them. Um, and it, it's really disappointing. Um, and when I, I did feel a few years, we were getting some great momentum around cycling. We saw it with the Netflix documentary. Um, you know, there's there should be so many good things propelling it forward and then it's off season after off season like just a an axe coming in and being like no <laughs> so yeah it's really yeah, it's well said. i think that i'm glad you brought up the doco there because unchained gave us as, as casual cycling fans got this lens inside a team dynamic it was such a big part of that doco was showing how this actually works and how as you said earlier it doesn't matter what rank you have in the team you still play an important role and then things like this just completely erode that and completely dip into the the i guess the interest and the the acclaim that we're giving this sport uh it, it's just so badly 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 managed <laughs> it I, is i mean uh, the optics are pretty funny though right because they made this big deal yumbo about releasing 
uh, Roglic from his contract. Like yeah. we've, he's asked for a transfer. We've allowed him to do that, almost making themselves out to be the good guys. The contract's essentially useless. And, and you like, guys would be able to speak to this. You know, it doesn't matter what your line of work is. If you go to work on a Monday morning and they say to you, there's no guarantee that you're going to be here by Wednesday this week, the rug might come out from under your feet. How can you possibly focus and do your best and compete at your heartiest for that team? I I defer to you, you two athletes. Like, is it is it even possible? Oh. It, it erodes the quality of the sport, the quality of the competition, the quality of the output, and the quality of the product. Absolutely, and I think it goes to. We actually saw this week a a rider who I raced with on Trek Segafredo um, announce his retirement. He's young, twenty five, but he, one of the reasons he cited was the stress of chasing contracts. And I think uh, it it does go to the longevity of athletes' careers. Um, it's a really stressful environment to operate in nonstop, um, and that's it's not healthy. So. I mean, I, I, Kate, I'm sure you have your own experiences. I've got, I've had many and I've been very loud about them and it wasn't enjoyable. <laughs> no. And I mean, I think that in my career, we didn't have a lot of athlete representation and, you know, contracts, you often took a lot less than you thought your worth and worse circumstances because you were just desperate to get it over the line. Yeah. Um, spare a thought for the athlete managers here. Uh, they're working for their money uh, this season, but mm -hmm. I think that we need a little bit more of that. Um, listen, Chloe, I know that you're finishing off your uni degree. Um, I like to study up on things too. So um, <laughs> what what I've done is I've done a um, a bit of a SWOT analysis. Hang on, this on is this situation. one of your optimistic SWOT analysis? Oh, a silver kind lining of, SWOT? It is, okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah. for our strengths, I figure big talent pool, Great. right? Lots of financial resources. Great. Lots of experience. Better yep. for the sponsors, right? I mean, the problem with the the strength part is that there are weaknesses for riders, right? Because it means there's less resources to go. Anyway, um, mm. I can see a potential ego clash here. You know, like we know where Primoz is going. We think Remco's on the move. What yep. about Wout van Aert? What about Vingago? What about Sepp Kuss? Yeah. I mean, this is potentially, you know, what we just saw play out at the Vuelta. Yeah. Could be good TV. And some big bruising egos because there's a, some massive, massive yes. names that you've named right. there. They're not all fitting. I mean, some opportunities they could dominate. I mean, although, yeah. is that really an opportunity? But you said, like, we spoke like, about this. We don't want a they super dominate team. Anyway. I know. That. that annoys us. Um, and then, <laughs> look, the threats I came up with, I mean, they're pretty boring, really. Um, external criticism, I think that well, that's a big threat. I they're can't see that. where that would be coming um, from. <laughs> um management, like an overbearing yep. management, some regulatory hurdles. And we've discussed this, and I think Chloe hit the nail on the head. There isn't strong leadership from the UCI. Yeah. So there aren't as many regulatory hurdles as there should be. Is, is this a line in the sand? Because we, we say this so often about this. Something this gobsmackingly bullshittery <laughs> will surely prompt some sort of overhaul, some sort of adjustment, some sort of modification to regulation and framework around it. Is that is that going to happen here, Chloe? Can we? Is the UCI going to go? Oh. Doesn't affect the UCI. Like, what is the incentive for them to do anything? Actually, 
you know, there's no money out of their pockets. They're actually mm. keeping the World Tour license. I'm sure they're not going to refund that money to whichever of the teams um, doesn't keep the World Tour license and they're not going to issue it to anyone else So until probably they sell it to another team next year. So I don't see where the incentive for the UCI to regulate comes from. It's instead from the athlete's responsibility to say, this is not good enough. You need us to have a sport. Without us, you have nothing. And right now that's not coming because there's too much stress around, do I have a job tomorrow? Yeah, mm. well said. And, and yes. the integrity of yes. the sport well, itself. Well, in my early days, with not a lot of money in the contract, I can say that I ate plain pasta and plain rice with an egg on top of it mm. for more dinners than that I sounds like would a, like to recall. It's straight out of the Patrick Lefebvre cookbook, that one. <laughs> it is. But, you know, I was young, no family, didn't yeah, have yeah, to pay yeah. rent. Yep. Like, the stresses are real. So you can understand why uh, maybe the athletes aren't able to take the power that really they should have. Yeah. Um, it, that's always the thing, isn't it? It's always the, it's sort of, they, they're kind of trapped in yes. a sense. There are livelihoods yes. at stake. Well, but, look, we're on the shit list from the UCI anyway. We may as well continue to say how we feel, Joel, because mm. we're not getting a Christmas card from them Well, you know <laughs> what? If Chloe Hosking thinks it and says it, I'm happy we're with on that. Board. Chloe, uh, <laughs> really appreciate you taking the time to come on and help us understand and you also said a few lovely words, which we will add to our collection of, of um, regulatory shit canning and whatnot. Yes. So we very much appreciate it. Yes. No, Blood thank up. you. Yeah. I think That's my Christmas word. card list or who I'm receiving Christmas cards from is equally short. <laughs> a badge of honour. I reckon a badge of honour. <laughs> so look, we'll continue to follow, but uh, all we can do is hope. All we can do is hope. All we can do is hope. And, you know, if there is a... Is a bloodbath of sorts. I mean, maybe they can at least be on nice bikes. What a name for a team. Hosky. The bloodbathers. Oh, the bloodbathers. Yeah, oh, there you go. Gosh. Maybe Thanks, we can uh, be a, a <laughs> sleeve sponsor, Joel. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Chloe Hosking. Come back soon. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well done. Well done sliding into the DMs there. <laughs> I uh, did. I totally did. I you totally teased it last week. Last week you said, I'm going to get Chloe Hosking. Oh. I said, ha! It's, you are not. Well, since she launched the bike brand yeah. and we were really curious about the tech specs, yeah. we've been kind of angling for it. So. Yeah. What a legend. So, yeah, so articulated a... beautifully and, and gave some insight that we uh, were so desperately craving on this ridiculous yes, issue. Anyway, it's the Wheelhouse Podcast. You were hearing from Chloe Hosking, Olympian, Commonwealth Games. What else? What else? What doesn't she do? She's a bike brand owner. She's studying to be a lawyer. <sighs> Quit making us look bad. All Chloe, around, anyway. uh, all around big hitter. <laughs> I'm Joel Spreadborough. Uh, this is Kate Bates. Let's uh, let's get on with it. There's a few other things that we'd love to discuss. Now, I have been excited about a number of things uh, on this podcast. Tell and, me about my, them, Joel. Uh, my growing love of the sport. Uh, so, oh, do you want me to list them? Because I'll be here all day. But like, one of them has been. Uh, intense speed over a 60-minute period, and a Ooh. few attempts that have happened for the our record captured your imagination i love it i love it because i look one thing i do you jump on an exercise bike and you do a 20 minute sprint session where you have to do like you know 30 second sprints and then 45 mm. off whatever absolutely gassed about halfway through of it through it <laughs> it goes for 20 minutes mm. They're doing that for an hour and they're not having rests in between, Kate. It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. We've it's got a, a Victoria Bussy 
Fort Knox. Is that what you're talking about? She's yeah. stepping up again. It's fantastic. It's her third go at it. That's three hours of, of the most intense pain of someone's life. And that's life. just the racing element. But she had to um, – <laughs> it's pretty cool. She crowdfunded yep. to get this one done. Um, headed back to uh, Mexico. Uh, I've written down for you, Joel, the name of the velodrome. Have you? Yeah. How are you going to oh, go with that? Oh, she's at Aquacientes. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty close. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, a bit better a with uh, Spanish. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, a little bit, yes. little bit better. Well, it's at 1,800 metres and that's why they go there because it, it the air's thin, right? Yeah, so it's okay, fast. sure. Yeah. yeah, right. But I've look, I've got an idea. Yeah. You know when the boxers, like they're, you know, heavyweight champion or whatnot and they have to hand over the belt? There's, there's yes. got to be a title fight? Yep. I'm thinking maybe we could jazz it up a bit and have a bit of a title fight. Okay. You know, like both on the track at the same time. Wow. What do you think? Like greyhound racing, chasing each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. What are we, are we chasing they're, like a Well, they're or? both the greyhound and the fake rabbit all oh, at once. Oh, okay. You see? So they're just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what it's do like you think? It's like kind of chasing a tail kind of Yes, thing. yes. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, Good concept. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Really clear well, and, it's, yeah. Now, I, I went, um, I love a good deep dive. Yep. And I found some bit random facts. That surprised me. Yeah. Argentina. Look, they've had some great track cyclists, but, you know, like a few, not a lot. How many velodromes do you reckon there are in Argentina? Uh, 26. 32. Oh, wow. It's a lot. The only two countries with more velodromes, I'm very proud to say, is yep. Australia. Yep. We've got 65. In use, I might add, in use, okay. not counting the ones that are no longer in use. Uh, but the top of the list, Japan. How many 67. Japan? 67 velodromes. Yes. So they just have velodromes for... Well, they do all the Kieran racing. So I'm, you know, I, I knew that track racing and Kieran racing is big in Japan. Yeah. But I don't think I realised 67. Wow. That's impressive. And an honourable mention to India, by the way, because they've got 15 velodromes there. Okay. They've actually been talking about, you know, this big uh, movement from India with their track cyclists yep. and how we need to watch out for them. Uh, they've got a couple of great track cyclists uh, named Ronaldo and David Beckham. Not even kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott and I commentated on them at the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, remember and, Beckham? Beckham um, uh, and punching I, above. I actually at first thought that I'd written my notes wrong. But they've been going great guns at the Asian Games, so yep. they're on the up and up, 15 velodromes. Anyway, look, that was a bit of a random um, move from the hour record. No, that's fine. How many in Brisbane? Can but, I just ask? Uh, oh, God. I mean, there's one on the Gold Coast. There's obviously two out at Chandler in Brisbane, okay. the Anamese Velodrome and yep. the old Commonwealth Games one. Jeez. Um, oh, look, I don't know. I mean, I'd be willing to say there's probably... 10 to 15 in Queensland. Didn't I put you on the spot there? Some regional ones, yeah. yeah. I think the Anamir's one, though, sort of counts for like 10 anyway. It should. Else, so it totally should. Our numbers. Yeah. Um, and um, look, good luck to Victoria Bussey. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a slightly um, slightly tough situation for Ellen Van Dyke, who's okay. the current record holder, um, because she's out on maternity leave. Oh. So, you know, if we were to implement one of these box off, yeah. you know, like title fights, title chases. It, it wouldn't work. She'll be back. She went 49.25 kilometres in an hour. That. She was like 748 metres short of the of Yeah, the 50 so mark. I think Bussy's saying like, hold my beer, I'm going for 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. Oh, look, good luck to her. Yeah. Suffer, suck her for punishment. <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't do it. I'm going to come back and do it a fourth <laughs> yeah. time. Right. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Alan Van Dyke, 
the trident. Yeah, she's a trident on her own. I had a, a, a crossover thought. You know, we were talking about athletes coming together. Yes. Matthew Van Den Dyke. Van Den Dyke. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tiff Cromwell <laughs> has sort of got stuff to celebrate this week as well, Catherine. Well, she does. She crossed the line first. Yeah. She won a race, a gravel race. Yep. It was the European Championships. It was, okay, it wasn't that cross the line, <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, they finished three kilometres ago kind of scenario. No, no, okay. no, no, no. She did win the race. Okay. But it was the European Championships, and so it raised a few eyebrows, given she's Australian. Australian. Uh, but <laughs> but actually, uh, what they did is they allowed it to be an open race, so anybody could enter, the more the merrier, but the first European okay. to win became European champion. So that went All to right. Lorena Vibes. Yep. Right? She's at it again. I know. Yeah. I, like, I don't actually think that gravel is a new discipline. I think gravel is what the roadies do when they're done doing the road. We could do a for mad, the season. mad skids in the gravel. <laughs> yes. So, Vibes is European champion, but Tiff Cromwell clearly on form, which is great because remembering that gravel worlds are on the 17th of October, uh, we'll have to dive into that a bit more oh, next big week. Time, big but time. people are getting a bit uh, cray cray over the gravel. Well,. They're it's really enjoying it, yeah. so it's good. It's a good. It's good to watch. It's a good concept. Yeah, it's yeah. got. It's fraught. It's fast. It's it furious. Is. Uh, it's fantastic. Well, well done, Tiff, our favourite Europe, Europe Australian. Um, <laughs> now, Velo, you you wanted to talk about this because you. It's like it's a it's a superstitious sport, mm. uh, like many. many it is sports. Yes. Very, very superstitious. Were you superstitious? I was. Yeah. Yes. Big time? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, fairly. I had this beautiful blue ribbon. My sister and I um, both had one that we would fold up and place on our hip inside our skin suit okay. before we raced. That's nice. What, I, was it a rib- what was the ribbon? I, it was just a, like an aqua-coloured ribbon. Oh, okay. And I can't even remember where it came from, yeah. but it became this thing. And if the ribbon was lost, that was that was bad. Oh, so that was it was like a sibling connection. Yes, you you were in contact yeah. via the ribbon. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, but, but did you is... ever lose it before the race? Uh, no, I lost it at the end of my career. Well, you're going to need to find it before it, the comeback. No, I think it was like you know it had it had had its day. It had okay. done its job. Do you think you'll have a new superstition when you make for your the comeback? comeback? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure, but I'll let you know okay. when that when and if. Happy to <laughs> workshop a few if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Velo have a, a a a new segment, basically a horoscope for cyclists who who want to say we want to find their a spot for our auras in the stars. Um, I can't believe I'm, I'm asking this, but that's that's a that's a thing. That's, it is that, that that happens. Yeah. Well, Joel, you know we can do a live reading. What's your star sign? I'm a can't you know I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> Scorpio. I should have known that. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> Born ready. Your moon and everything else. Ooh, I, by the way, I haven't read this yet. Haven't so yet? This oh, is great. Um, your moon and everything else is vibrating. Take a Zumba class and really engage in it. Uh-huh. Look at you. Expect news about a possible grandchild <laughs> or maybe a friend is sending you a gravel bike for free. Oh, wow. That I like. Yeah. I could live with that last one. <laughs> yeah. The grandchild. Grand- I don't have kids, weird. so that's Wait, odd, Well, but, yeah. I think given your age. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, buy fireworks and store them in the basement for the future. Yeah. Tick. Done that. Righto. Okay. <laughs> no, so, I, really I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is this really helping us align our auras? I don't know. Um, mine is keep influential people close. 
Okay. So yep. we're doing that. Yep. I've got you and Mertzi. Chloe. Done. Yep. Uh, plan short rides that involve coffee. I mean, I live by that. And pastries. Hello now. Yep. Um, don't buy a new set of wheels. Don't. <laughs> I feel, hold on. What? I, I'm just a bit confused. Those two don't really align, do they? It like, doesn't align with cool. your, like, yours, your passion. But yours is also. Yeah, like, Zumba. Yeah, bring it. Like Never done this, Zumba in my life. Are they employing multiple people to write these? It doesn't seem like the same person has authored yeah. those two. They, it I feels mean, like it's uh, two barrels full of horoscopes and they just do a lucky dip. And This is just a weekly there. one, Joel. So okay. we can check in on a week. I don't even know if we're going to check in on a weekly basis. Merxy has something on this. We certainly won't check in on a weekly basis. <laughs> 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 He's a, just going to nip that one in the bud. Uh, look, oh. fair enough. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to get creative here, Joel. You're big on star signs, though. Are you, yeah. Am I? Uh, again, I'm doing this live and loud, and I'm, I apologise <laughs> if I'm overstepping. But horoscopic ink, I believe, is I part of your life. I do. I yeah. have a Taurus tattoo on my back. Okay. Um, <laughs> can we see it? Oh, I thought you. Were I think gonna, that's overstepping. I thought he was just going to confirm. That yes, can no. confirm. <laughs> we don't need to see it, but I I can tell you that. If I had my time again, I probably wouldn't get it done again. No? I'd no. get my Darth Vader tattoo 100 times <laughs> over. Yeah. I'm sure you would. I would. Yes. That is your star sign. Yes. More accurate. More accurately. Yep. Yeah. That and the soul bird, the kookaburra, mm. um, because it's loud and annoying. But not that weird bird. horoscope I just wrote, read no. you. I'll mm, get a kookaburra okay. and, and Vader. I'll be All happy. Right. All right. All right. Well, I'll take that out of the bookmarks for next week's rundown then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kate, oh. it says only just begun, but then it's over for Sagan. Let's oh. have an ode to Sagan Peter. Mm. Merxy, turn Merxie. your mic off, mate. Yeah. Okay, you, you go for a nice walk, have a cup of tea, okay? We don't want to upset you here, but uh, final race. Mm. Final race, Tour de Vendée, final chapter. 121 victories for Peter Sagan. Yeah, not bad. He went all right. He went all right. A couple of... World Championships, a couple of stage wins. Well, on three the on the trot. Yeah, just pulling them out for fun at one point. Uh, very influential rider, I think. Uh, he's he's kind of like the cool guy on the bus. He totally is. Back Middle back seat, you know, and he decides who gets to sit on the back seat with him. He totally is. It, he changed the sport insofar as he became a beacon for personal sponsors yep. who then followed him around. Mm -hmm. So Specialised is a great example. He changes teams, the bike you know, changes teams with him because it's all about Peter Sagan. Like, yep. huge, uh, he's got to be one of the biggest contracts ever in cycling in terms of the riders around him. Like, his worth was so much more than the incredible victories. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it was more yeah. about the personality. It's um, the first Tour de France I covered with SBS was his first Tour stage win. And he won stage two. Uh, it started in Liège that year, uh, and he beat the likes of Mark Cavendish and Edward Bosenhagen, who at the time uh, was a pretty big hitter. Yeah. And uh, he also won stage three the, the next day and did the like Forrest Gump Running Man yeah, kind right, of yeah. victory. Like, and but, uh, and all of a sudden he burst onto the scene. He was only twenty two, and he made it really clear that he was not just here for a short time, but yeah. was going to have a big footprint. But the fans. The Slovakian fans that came to follow him around—it's like they taught. They they said, "Hold the beer, hold my beer." Yeah. To the 
sports fans who we thought were cool, the cycling fans, they were incredible noisy and boisterous and they would almost rock the bus back and forth uh, with their antics and their celebration of, of what he did. It was so en- cool. Encouraged by his charisma. He yes. brought that he brought that they energy. They fed into, into the each sport, other. Sure. Well and he had back then very broken English. Yeah. And he would always try and be super articulate in interviews and stuff, but it was almost a little bit amusing the words he would uh, come <laughs> out with, but always quite respectful. And, yeah. you know, from day dot, he was like, Mark Cavendish is the absolute best. And yeah. to beat him, you have to bring your best. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of respect for his, the riders around him. Yeah, it's cool. We'll miss him. Um, I think, I think out of respect, we should probably ask Merksy For a moment. A magic for a moment, moment. Yeah, we need some like da, 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 music for it. Uh, Merksy, <laughs> if you can talk under those tears. Can you do the music? Yeah. And Merksy, you just feel your way in, so go on, take yeah, it away, da, 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 It's very emotional, guys. Um, Favourite win was his um, Roubaix for me. Oh, won Roubaix. Yes, yep. But then I love the moment when Bernal won the tour. And he photobombed them when they were getting their champagne yes. photo. Yes. Sagan won the green jersey. Yes. And he photobombed the, uh, the victory sip. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> how that very excellent. How very Peter Sagan. Well, the scourge of the, the um, yes. team managers everywhere. Well, year. and I must say, Merksy um, purchased a, world, a Bora World Champion jersey. Uh, from Sagan's exploits because he was a fan. Uh, We spoke a little earlier about the strong rumour that uh, Sticky Tape Man Roglic um, might be headed to Bora. Yeah. Could we reuse this jersey? Bora, rainbow stripes. (laughs) Like, what do you think? (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Hope you wash your hands before you touch that child. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Merksy, we're still saving up. to just have a couple of nights at Sagan Peter Resort and Links at the end of the year. We are. Thanks well, it's Merksy's birthday this week, so, uh, you know, stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Even his rainbows have his logo on them. Oh, that's because he's so cool. Yeah, it is so it's cool. It's very clever, his logo. It's a P and an S, and the P's turned on its side. You know, Do you yeah, see what he's is, done there? I like what he's done, but it's also <laughs> at the top. It's above Bora. It's above the rainbows. It's above oh, everything else. Yeah. It is at the top. Yeah, not on the back, just on the sneaky back pocket, but right up top and centre. It's not too late. You can go and no. stay in the Peter Sagan wing, <laughs> stare out the Peter Sagan window, and recollect some of my many moments. Uh <laughs> Good accent, what a, there, what, That's terrible, but what an incredible <laughs> journey. Another one, if we will, uh, moving on, letting Merksy sort of come to terms with what's happening there. We love Peter Sagan. He's coming on the show. Can't guarantee when or if. But <laughs> oh, no, we're, we're, we've we're, got a request in with yeah, his management. Slid in. Uh, Rach <laughs> Nayland, our friend of the podcast. Yes. Uh, gen- she, unlike Peter Sagan, she is aware of the podcast. Um, yeah, she's a genuine friend of the podcast. Has, has helped us, has thrown us a few solids and, and whatnot. And, yeah. and another bloody, bloody impressive ride. Uh, yes. As in her career in this instance. It has. She, she has uh, bowed out. She's mm-hmm. ridden her... Her last race um, at uh, Tre Valavarisen. She's like, punched her last ticket. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know the Australian side of the sport in particular will miss her. She's Big been time. a real influence. 2012, she got a silver medal at the World Championships in Valkenburg, yep. which was just incredible. Uh, watching her sprint to that, and I was not commentating on it. I was in the SBS studio uh, watching it um, live and, and doing the remarks around it. Yeah. And it was my first moment 
uh, as a broadcaster, but getting so excited. Like, did you lose your shit? I pretty much did, yeah. Can you rec- would you, and I'm that sorry was to put so you cool. Spot, but can you? Would you? Can, oh, can you just give us 10 seconds? I don't seconds? know if I can recreate it, I'll be honest, but I was just beside myself. And I, and I look back at that and I remember the emotion and her achieving that took yeah. me back to my days racing yeah. and it becomes so personal. It was just so cool. That's and it kind of gave Australian women's cycling the revival that it needed. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the kick in the pants, like we've got this. Yeah. Um, and Spratty, it was after that that Spratty really came into her own. And I think she's really led a generation in that way. That's the, that's um, the, that's the key. That's the key point, isn't it? Yes. That real sort of setting that marker. Uh, it is, and look well, what's followed. And at the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race yep. in 2015, yep. she slayed it and just showed what an incredible talent she was. She does hold, I think it, it's got to be the record for the last three or four years of running the most top tens yep. without being on the podium. Yep, yep, yep. Always there or thereabouts. Yep. That's impressive because she, she was a rider that no matter what she had done recently, you could never discount her. She was always on a one-to-watch list. That's awesome. She's an Olympian. She's a Com Games rider. Uh, big career. So good honour and good luck to the transition. She's eventful. Yeah. Trey Valley Varacine. It was. There, wasn't it, it was. Yeah. Three hundred to go. Uh, Kate Bates said, uh, "Rachel Naylor looking like she's sitting pretty comfortable in fifth there. Yeah, look, she's had a pretty good day. And, oh my God, Naylor's coming out! Oh my God, that, that's Please. it. That's it. That did. Where did you find oh that my clip? God! <laughs> <laughs> well, the race was run by uh, won by Leanna Lippert. Yeah. And see the the way we're going to connect these dots, Joel, yep. is she won the Cadell Evans Great oh. <laughs> Road Race as well. <laughs> I knew it. You feeling me? You I got knew it. There was a join um, the dot. Our favourite Danish rider, <laughs> um, Cecily Utrebludvik. She yeah. got second. Alyssa Balsamo, she got third. Usual so big suspects. Names. Yeah, yeah, big yeah finishing the season off well. Catherine Bates, this is the Wheelhouse Podcast. My name is Joel Spreadborough. Um, you have uh, a real penchant for coming up with excellent content, and one of the things that you love more than anything is the silly segment. I'm <laughs> trialling a few. I, I think fair to say that there's been a, um, a nail put in the horoscope You've one. You've got a but, no, right. no, look. We'll, we'll <laughs> workshop. But no, would no. you like some dun 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 music? Or the Wheel of Misfortune. See what I've done there? The wheel, like wheel. Wait. Oh, no. Now I get it. Well, what we've got on the Wheel of Misfortune this week, if I can keep a straight face, um, at Trey, it was not at Trey Valor. Is the music disturbing you? I'm sorry. The music is really throwing me. No, at the Tour de Vendée, which was Peter Sagan's last race, Arno Delis, the Belgian rider, he won, Joel. He won, not very convincingly. But 20 metres before the line, it looked like he'd win by a couple of lengths. And then calamity struck. Yeah. The wheels of misfortune struck. Are always turning. <laughs> and he pulled his foot out of the pedal, couldn't get it back in, couldn't pedal anymore to the line, sprint finish. Yeah. The whole peloton racing behind him. He was so far ahead that he still bloody won. It's a good good 50 metres plus without like, the b- amazing. busted cleat. Now, okay. Yeah, so he busted his cleat, so it, that's why he couldn't get his foot back in. Because if you watch the footage, you're like, what is he doing? Yeah, mercy. You sure it wasn't a Shimano group set issue? Oh, oh, that's actually, there's another wheel of misfortune. I'm being cheeky. I know, yeah. being a big recall. Did they respond to that request for sponsorship email that you sent last <laughs> week, mercy, or...? 
uh, just fell through. Okay. It's, look, I, I can say a lot of my bikes, actually all of my bikes have Shimano on them. But, yeah, I'm a SRAM guy myself. Um, <laughs> none of them, none of which have been recalled. So they've had a recall. Okay. Another Wheel of Misfortune. But what do you think, Wheel of Misfortune? I think it's fantastic. Like, that was... Could have been a shocker. I think he we made need to it do happen. A, but a wheel of misfortune on, on every episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, to clarify, wheel of misfortune is in. Yeah. Horoscopes out. Well, the only thing with wheel, I, I love the name, great title, but yeah. I know, like he he won, so misfortune became great it's, fortune. Okay. So which all good. I think wheel of misfortune is fantastic. It was really unfortunate what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fortunate fortune. Oh, okay. Unfortunate fortune. <laughs> We can workshop this. We one. can workshop. Uh, oh, what, what, you don't a, want us to spend an extra twenty minutes talking no, no. about it now, Mercy? That's a positive. <laughs> like the other one's been poo-pooed. Yeah, it has. But oh, you know, I'm, mate, the horoscopes had to go. Yeah, I'm not right. doing Zumba. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, look, like uh, sand in the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. Yes. It's been wonderful chatting to you. For those listening on, I was just holding an hourglass. I put the hourglass there in case the segments were running over Uh, and you could hourglass me. I noticed you removed my Darth Vader helmet so I can't hit it every time you say Wout Van Aert today I did. Well, it's only once. This has been a lot of fun. Really appreciated Chloe Hosking's uh, presence today. If you're just tuning in for the first time, like, share, subscribe. If you're not, uh, tell everyone you know. It's a lot of fun here on the Wheelhouse Podcast. Kate Bates. We'll do it all again before you know it. We will. Ciao for now. Ba-boom. (laughs) Ba-boom.